This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday's sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. I need a hero. Oh my goodness, stop, Johnny. You know what, John? It's spring. It's spring. And, <laughs> what and does that have to do flowers, with you singing I Need a Hero? Flowers are blooming and, and, and starting to look beautiful. And I love spring. But you know who I love even more than spring? Me. My rescuer. Oh, your rescuer. Claritin. I thought it was going to be me. I thought you loved me, Johnny. Yeah, yeah. I'm no, and this isn't an ad for Claritin. Claritin isn't a... Uh, <laughs> <one of> our, <laughs> However, if they'd like to sponsor... No, they, yeah, we're no. not taking sponsors. No, no. And actually, it's the off-brand. So it's not even clear. <laughs> it's like the uh, Walmart version or something. So anyways, no, but uh, we're talking heroes. We're talking rescuers. Yeah. Um, it was Easter Sunday this week. And it was. It was amazing. It was great. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, we had a great time. We had a nice full house, which was really good. Um, Full's an understatement. It was was jam-packed. It was jam-packed. And that's good. For, that's good. We're very excited about it. Had yeah. some cool stories, some baptisms and all that kind of stuff. Yep. So we got to see the rescuer in action. Yeah, absolutely. The rescuer. The, capital. The capital T, capital R. Capital T, capital R. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're kind of going through the Easter story. Uh, you kind of touched on that Jesus is our, is our rescuer. Yeah. And kind of our hero in the sense, our immortal hero, which is kind of cool I, that you explained not, that not way. Not immortal. No. Yeah. Uh, Eternal. Eternal. Okay. Ooh. I was yeah, like, that's I don't know. Those difference. Those are not the same He's, words. He is immortal. Is he? He died. I'm just saying. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess at what? Yeah. Oh, my brain. Oh, whoa. My brain just blew up. Uh, sorry. I got to go. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. Immortal is not the word. He is all, he is eternal though, but he did, obviously he died on a cross. So, yeah. um, so immortal would be can't die. Right? So then, I mean, we weren't going to talk about this question, but so for those three days, where was he? Where was he? This no. is, yeah. You know, it's interesting. It's interesting. He was, uh, you know, there's just, there's debate about where exactly he was yeah. among scholars. Right. And, um, and by the way, I have a cold. So if I sound a little bit Are off, you sick or is it allergies? It's probably allergies, but, uh, but I can't, and I, I don't, I haven't had allergies a lot in my life every once in a while, but it's bad right now. So yeah, you need Claritin. I, is that, what, is that what it brand. is? Off brand Claritin? Yeah, something. I need something. Uh, so I, I might need to just sniff. It's going to happen. It's probably going to happen. But anyways, um, but there's a debate about where he was and we have the apostles creed, right? The apostles creed is kind of a creed that, that, that sums up what we believe in an essence, the gospel is and about Jesus. Um, and in that creed, it talks about him descending to hell, uh, between the time he died on the cross and the time he resurrected. And, and the idea is basically that he, preached to, to those in hell or, or whatever. But, but I, I kind of disagree with that. I think, I think there's some evidence to the contrary that needs to be taken into consideration. Cause what did he say to the thief on the cross? Do you remember Johnny? Here's a test today. You'll be with me in paradise. That's right. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Right. And so, so I, I go, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Um, to me, it doesn't seem like that's what happened, but there, there is disagreement about what exactly happened. And the scriptures are, I would say not super clear. And okay. so we, we don't know exactly. Some mysteries. There's some mystery. And I think that's okay in that particular instance. Sometimes we, we need to come to conclusions. Oh, wow. You I know, really sound stuffed up, don't I? No, you're good. Um, one thing I'm thinking of is, uh, you know, it's okay. We talked about this before. It's okay for us to have some mystery. 
God is an, an infinite being right. with a little bit more wisdom than right. we have. That was sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, he's very wise. And yeah. so for him to try to explain everything to All us, the details, yeah. it's not going to happen. And I need, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, and I think too, that when it comes to that, you know, we, it's okay to have mystery as long as we don't play it to play the mystery card too soon. And uh, I think it's okay in this case to have mystery. It's also okay to have an opinion about what you think sure. in this regard, uh, but to hold it loosely. It would be kind of the thing. And I think that's the key to kind of hold it loosely because sometimes if you are confronted with maybe some truth on it, you need to let it go. Right, right. So kind of like, you know, moving on a little bit from that. Yeah. Um, We talked about needing rescue and obviously, you know, (laughs) I came to the conclusion I needed Claritin. I realized that. I was aware (laughs) of my need (laughs) for for rescue. So on Claritin today. You, however, not aware of your need for a rescuer in the sense of Claritin. You just keep fighting through it and all that kind of stuff. John. I would I would have gone on DayQuil just to give some equal time to somebody else. Okay, I gotta gotcha. go on DayQuil. But you, would have, you would have gone with some sort of medicine. You haven't gone with a medicine yet. I did actually I did actually last night, yesterday. But not today. Not today. So for some reason today you feel like you're okay. You don't need rescuing. So far. Yeah. Okay. Sort so <laughs> so I understand. No, and, and it kind of goes spiritually too. I think you know there's some of us and and you know I realized pretty early on that I needed rescuing from yeah, my sin. Yeah. I needed I needed to be saved. I, I even though I was wasn't a huge sinner. Wasn't a huge sinner. I was five years As old. As in your body was not large. Exactly. Well, yeah. no, but I was five. So you know I wasn't I wasn't committing any crazy sins at that point. You know maybe okay. I uh, spent too much time. You know whatever. I don't Mouthing know. off to mom or dad yeah, maybe exactly. a little bit or, or something or, like that. You know or eating too many cookies or sneaking, or sneaking, a, sneaking cookies. a cookie when mom said no. Yeah. Yeah, but I knew I knew I, that I needed a savior. I knew I knew I needed that. You know, but I knew pretty young. And you know, there's certain times where I'll go in life and I jump back and forth and I, yeah. and I jump back in the waters yeah. and I get a little risky again and, and, tr- and, and play you disobey with your sin. wife. Yeah. Disobey, <laughs> just, just disobey in general. Disobey Jesus. Yeah. And, and why, why do we as humans have different kind of rescue awareness tendencies? Like some of us feel like we never need rescuing when we're clearly drowning. Yeah. That's a great question. And I think, uh, I think a lot of it's culture, right? Like, you know, in, in Romans, it talks about about turning people over to their sin, sinful desires. And I think that's what we do. We embrace our sinful desires and we justify them. I think this happens a lot in culture where, where various sins are embraced. It happened, uh, you could, you know, a long time ago with, with slavery and with, uh, with racism it's happened. And, and I like to think we've progressed since then, not that there's no racism now, but we, we don't have slaves and those kinds of things. At least, you know, there's human trafficking. I think that's kind of a different kind of thing, but, uh, related, uh, but you know, we look back and, and, and there were Christians who justified that justified slavery as it was practiced in the United States, uh, you know, early on. And, and so I think, I think we, would they embrace that? They justify it. We we're doing that with, with various things today. I think we're doing that a lot with our sexuality in, in today's world and whether it's, uh, sexual identity with, with transgender, things like that, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's being promiscuous, uh, in general. Yeah. Thank you for throwing that in there too. Cause I think sometimes, you know, yeah. Certain groups get picked on a lot and we have to look at, <laughs> look at the whole thing. The whole, the whole scope is, you know, yeah, there's all kinds of sins. Oh yeah. But we, but, and we justify them. Mm-hmm. And so and, and there's other sins we justify too. We justify lying. We justify gluttony. We just, there's, there's a whole host of things that we, we find ways to justify our sin and, and our, our desire is that we see ourselves as being good people. That's what we want. We think, oh, I'm a good person. And so I'm or, not I, or I want to be seen that way. And so instead of 
instead of taking something that is sinful and recognizing that as sin as something that's wrong with me, it's much easier to justify that and say, see, I'm not that bad. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we, you know, we we'll even tend to compare ourselves to, you know, like, okay, I may not be doing too well. I may be <sighs> kind of drowning here, but I'm not drowning as bad as that guy. Go rescue that guy. I'm okay. It, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we, well, we find the worst people to compare ourselves to. I'm not a serial killer. Congratulations. <laughs> You've done so much for the, for the universe by yeah. your existence, you know, uh, g- congratulations on not murdering people, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's kind of silly. Uh, the, the ways we justify our, our goodness or we, or we try to convince ourselves that we're really actually really good people. Uh, and, and in reality, sin is sin. It's, it, it it's, in conflict with God's holiness, whether it's a little lie or a big lie, whether it's uh, just having the wrong kinds of thoughts about somebody, uh, you know, all kinds of things in it, but it offends God's holiness. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm going to throw a theology question at you and I wasn't planning on doing this. So <coughs> oh. here, here it comes. My little curveball. Good thing for you. My theology questions are very deep, so they're, <laughs> they're pretty easy to hit out of the park. But uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, sometimes I think we feel like we're good people, you know, yeah. and, and well, we and often say that, right. Parents say that about their kids. I love, I, I love this. And, and, and good Christian parents say it. Oh, my kids, my kid, he's really a good person. Yeah. But he's out like breaking the law and getting thrown in prison. It's like, yeah. no, he's not a good person in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess right? No, but I think like, you know, I think a lot of it we don't realize too, is there's God's common grace. Yeah. Which is being That's poured, right. poured out upon us. So, and still though, there might be this this masking that we are good people, right? In some ways, like legitimately thinking we're good people, but the reality is, if you remove God's common grace that He gives to everybody, so all the good things that you do see in in the world, even from people who aren't believers, it's from God's grace that He gives to us. Would you agree with that statement? In the sense of. If you remove common grace, if you remove anything that God has, has put on this earth, essentially, and yeah. allowed us to do good things, if you remove that, would you see the depravity of mankind a little bit more? Yeah, I think absolutely. Uh, common grace is, yeah, exactly. And you've described it pretty well. It's 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 God allowing uh, goodness in spite of our sinful nature. For even we can do good, even if we don't love Jesus and follow God, we can still do good. And that's common grace, God's common grace in us. He's, he's not allowed the depravity that is truly within us to, to actually, um, express itself fully. Uh, and, and so we are able to do good things and mm-hmm. we're all, we're, we're able to, to be charitable, to, to be benevolent towards others, those kinds of things. And so and that, that is common God's common grace in, in all of humanity, for sure. I think that's a good, good description. So when you think about even too, what you had mentioned earlier, that God gives us over, uh, to our sinful desires. And that's when you see it really start to spiral in a lot of ways. Um, that even just shows us too, that, that God's even holding back some of the, the things that they may want to do and he lets them do it. And then it begins to unroll, which, you know, we yeah. start to see in just, just cultures that have kind of turned their back on God. You yep. kind of see that is the scary thing about it. Um, I think the United States is that we want to make sure that we're always trying to honor God and obey him. If we turn our backs on him to see that, to There's see God remove, that. yeah, to see God remove his common grace a little bit yeah, and let us, you know, then we really will see the depravity of our hearts. And I think that's kind of even almost not saying that God's common grace is a bad thing, but in some ways I think it, it hurts people's ability. It gives us people a false sense of security hope. yeah, sure. and hope that they are good people. Right. And the reality is, is no, you remove, you remove that and you, you'll see what we are really made of. You yeah. Know? Because we had a putting our hope in, our, in humanity rather than God. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, this happens to me a lot. I think when when it comes to being rescued, obviously, yeah, I was rescued from my sins and, and whatnot. However, I I, I will, and, I, and I'm sure others do too, often jump back into those troubled waters yeah. of sin. Yeah. Um, why do we do this? Why do you think, you know, why do you think we kind of return? I know that, you know, the Proverbs say as a dog returns to its vomit, you know, so a man to, to his folly. Um, but, I should just let you answer the question. That was a pretty good answer. Is that the good answer? I think so, it was a good answer. We, you know, and I've said it before on previous podcasts, I think, especially, and, and in a couple servants too, we love our sin. We just love our sin. And we think, we think that sin will bring us some kind of hope, meaning, pleasure, whatever, whatever the case is, uh, and it, and, it, and it might for a short period of time, um, but it's not lasting. And so we, we seek that fulfillment of those things. And, we, and, and when we, we think that something will give, give that to us in a more immediate way than God will, we will we, we'll go that way. Mm-hmm. And, we, and, we, and we love it for the moment. And then we hate it later because it, has, it yeah. has consequences that we uh, sometimes forget to think about. It, yeah, or we forgot that they were there. Or we know? forgot that they were there. You know, and then we cry or out again. Or didn't know they were there in the first place. But yeah. Yeah, and then we cry out, and he rescues us, and uh, we, we rescue her. Do yeah. it again sometimes, you yeah. Know? And I think it'd be good. It'd be a good, wise thing to go. You know what? Uh, I don't see the consequences right now, but I know they're going to be there. Well, and I think that's that's not just an individual thing. We focus so much in the church on the individual, and I think that's right in a lot of ways. But we forget that that's corporate too. You read the Old Testament, you get a much stronger sense of the corporate responsibility of that, and by that I mean national. I mean, worldwide, uh, you know, but the way that God dealt with Israel as, as a, in the, all through the Old Testament, I'm reading through Judges right now, and you see this in, in much shorter sections in Judges, cycles, yeah, Judges, right? The cycles where, where, where as a corporate body, they turn their back on God, and then they realize their need, and then they cry out, and then God helps them with the judge, and then sort of, some of those judges are sketchy people too, but but God still uses them and works through them, and, and uh yeah, so so it's corporate. It's not just individual. Hmm. Well, we talked about earlier. We mentioned that Jesus is the eternal, eternal, hero. not yeah. not immortal, not immortal, eternal. eternal. And uh, and that's significance, obviously, that he's eternal in this in the sense that he could rescue us perfectly. Right. right. Why is that important? I mean, why why couldn't just a good uh, man? Yeah. Uh, that's not eternal. Who's created? Why couldn't he die for all of all of humanity? Well, there's a problem with what you just said. Why couldn't they what? Perfect. Yeah, good Man. or perfect, right? Like, the, it, it, uh, there's no one good but God. God, Jesus said that, right? And and so, you know, when he when he when he was when, when somebody called him a good teacher, he says, "Well, there's no one good but God." And that, that I think that we get this idea that goodness is weighed on a scale, right? Like, if there's more good, if the if the good side of the scale is heavier than the bad side of the scale, that we're good people. That's not God's definition of good. That's sinful mm. because there's still sin. It, like you, you corrected it and said perfect. And that's exactly right. Is, is Jesus was perfect. He was without sin at all. That's a good man. We've taken good and kind of watered down a little bit. And so, so good is kind of like, well, you know, on, on in general, yeah. you know, not perfect. no. It requires a perfect sacrifice because if there's any sin in you at all, the best that you can do is, is pay for your own sin. You can't pay for somebody else's. You've got to pay for your own. Yeah. Right. The best you could do. And the way you do that is death. <laughs> right. It's, 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 uh, it's, you're fallen, you're sinful and, and, and you're, 
Your sin, as small as you might think it is, offends the holiness of God. We diminish the holiness of God and we diminish our own sin. We, we like to think we're better than we are, and we like to think that God isn't really holy. And he allows more than he, he allows more than, than, than he does, but he is perfect. He is righteous. He is holy. And because of that, any sin is a problem. Yeah. And we know there's a, plenty of sin. And even if you look at the scale, too, I, I, I'm really stuck on this uh, common, gra- common grace thing. You look at the scale, if you're going to weigh it still, you remove all the good in your life that's from God. Right, you're gonna be even gonna be even worse. Well, and we think and we think the sin that we have doesn't weigh as much as it does. Yeah, it's pretty light. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's yeah. not that much. We it doesn't to, weigh that much. We don't need to put no, that on the scale. No, it weighs way more. Do you think? Yeah, let's not put that on the scale. Yeah, let's just leave yeah. that off. Yeah, it's good. That was under. It, that was justifiable anger. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. So I guess that all that, my anger, Johnny, is righteous anger. Of course. Yeah. And yes. I, every uh, conversation we've ever had where you've uh, talk to me about something. Upset. Yeah, it's it all, was always righteous. Right? Definitely, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's good. That, that, is, that is not true at all. Not true. Hello. Yeah. Hey, John. Uh, keep let's keep it keep it moving forward a little bit. But I guess it's um, you know, I think even kind of just to add to that, just as sin entered the world through one man, yeah, it needed to be removed. Second Adam, right? Yeah. Second Adam, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me ask this question for you. It's a more another theology question. Uh, how does the death of Jesus satisfy God's wrath towards sin? Yeah, I mean, some people struggle with this, and in certain ways, I do too, um, because I think we try to read deeper into it than we should. But I think you know when we look at the sacrifice, there's a couple of things. Uh, you know, you look at the Old Testament, and there must be payment for sin, right? And you the Levitical law, the sacrificial law, you see that where they they'll bring a, a sacrifice, a lamb, a grain offering, different things, different kinds of sacrifices. Uh, but many of them uh, were to were to deal with sin in a particular way. And, and, and what was said is it's got to be unblemished, right? It's got to be, you, you don't get to bring your, your deformed, crippled, crippled uh, um, sheep or whatever, lamb to be sacrificed. Even, even like the spotting on them, right? Had right. To be a, even a the spotting. Spotless, yeah. Right. So it has to be a perfect sacrifice because if it's not perfect, if it's not unblemished, again, it can only pay for itself. It can't pay for something else. And so when it's perfect and unblemished, then, then that sacrifice satisfies something else because it is, it is perfect. For the, for the time. For that, yeah. But even in, in, the, in the Levitical law, the sacrificial law, that was never intended to be actual payment for sin in the, in the, in the way that Jesus was. In, in, in that sense, Jesus was the ultimate, you know, Hebrews calls him the Lamb of God. Uh, who, and, and, he, and he does. He takes away sin in the world because he's perfect. And so God's anger in that sacrifice is expressed on that sacrifice, if that makes sense. And that that is why how it's, uh, you know, the New Testament uses a word, word that is sometimes translated in like the New American Standard Bible or Romans 3, places like that propitiated it propitiates it. it it satisfies god's wrath god's anger towards sin because he is holy and he must demand justice we we don't want anything other than a just god we think we do yeah until we realize until we realize that 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 gets everybody that we all the sins we hate that other people have committed it gets them off the hook if god's not just yeah we, we want justice when it doesn't apply to us exactly yeah. and so and so and so we do want justice. We just don't want God to take out his justice on us. And he's provided that way through sacrifice. And so, and so that's how it, you know, that, that sacrifice is an expression of God's wrath on that particular 
sacrifice, whether that's Old Testament or in, in the case of Jesus. Mm. His, his wrath towards us was expressed on Jesus, not only in, in the blood that was shed, although certainly in that, but also, you, you know, Jesus at one point says, God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, right? And some people have, have developed theology out of that that may or may not be right. But, but, uh, but the idea is this, that God, uh, you know, some have said God can't even be in the presence of sin. I'm not sure that's too true because Jesus was divine and, he, and, and, and God and he was here on earth. And so he was certainly in the presence of sin. But... But we kind of have developed some of this theology and, and we go, and we go, but you know, God's wrath. And I think that's what Jesus was experiencing. We said that is God's wrath on him. And it feels like being forsaken. Mm-hmm. And that's how, and that's how Jesus expressed it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, but it was also an expression of love because he loves the son and he watches the son take on that wrath. Uh, but somebody had to, or it was either going to be Jesus or it was going to be all of us. Yeah. And Jesus said, I will take that on. And the beauty of him is he could survive the wrath of God, essentially. And in a sense, triumph. yeah. Yeah, triumph. In an eternal sense, death. yes. Yeah, eternally, that's yeah, great. Yeah, obviously, physically, he died. We could not. Yeah, we could not. Um, right. We, 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 yeah, the revelation calls, calls you know, at the second death, mm-hmm. you know, that, that eternity, uh, you know, damnation is, is, in a revelation is called the second death. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, that's that. Uh, yeah, it's amazing that what, what he has done for us um, and that yeah. we couldn't we couldn't, you know, and I think it, it kind of makes me it reminds me of, um, you know, just in the Old Testament, they would sacrifice and then they would sacrifice. Yeah. And then they, and they would do it again. Sacrifice, and again, again right? and it was a constant thing. Right. And cleanliness and rituals and sacrificial systems were a constant. And even now it's, it's you don't see it as much. And because the temple and everything that. You know, the disagreement temples out there, right? Yeah, it's not there anymore. And that's, I understand why they want to fight to get it back and all that kind of stuff. But there haven't been sacrifices since the temple was destroyed. Yeah, 80, 70. That's right. And to me, as a a believer, I go, well, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Because there's no need anymore. Yeah. But the the Jewish people don't have that. Some uh, of them. Some of them. Yeah. Don't have that way to sacrifice. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe there are some Jews that are still sacrificing. Uh, I I don't know. I I don't know about that. Uh, I'm just saying that some of them, some some of them have worked out a way that they don't need to anymore. The oh, theology, okay. interesting. Know, yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, in my mind, they wouldn't, they couldn't do that. They'd still need. Yeah, to I don't think that's the right working out of the of the of the Tanakh, the old te- the, okay. the the Old Testament. But that'd be a, something to talk but about. Some of them have. Sure. Yeah, maybe sometime. That's interesting. Yeah. Different day. Yeah, interesting because I've always felt like you know there that's a problem that they're not sacrificing. Because they need well, they for some be. of them it is, yeah. you know, absolutely. But some of them have worked out. Yeah, yeah. it just depends on what sect of Jewish theology. Or- okay, well, cool. Yeah, but I know as a Christian, though, I know that we don't need it anymore, and maybe is why that's right. It's gone. Uh, so, anyways, uh, kind of moving forward, uh, we talked. You talked. You mentioned briefly about eyewitness accounts of Jesus, and yeah, and that was important. Obviously, we want historical proof. We don't want to just read the Bible and you know just be manipulated by it. We want to see some historical. You know, is there anything that backs up this claim of who Jesus was, uh, secular historians, all that kind of stuff? Um, anything you want to add to just proof of his life and death and resurrection? Yeah, I think this is really important because it really distinguishes Christianity from other religions. And and that's why it's so important. And we look at we look at a lot of other religions are based on uh, nice ideas, spirituality, kind of in this broader general sense, you know, Buddhism, uh you know, Hinduism, 
uh, various forms of new age, all, all those kinds of things. Uh, people talk about spirituality in, in kind of a weird way anymore. It's almost become conflated with at times certain, uh, certain, certain psychological benefits almost of doing things like meditating. They're not worshiping, but they're, they're meditating, they're emptying their mind. They're still dabbling in the spiritual realm. And so, and so, and so it's connected to our thoughts and all. This. So they use it in this broad kind of sense. So spirituality is about having good thoughts, or it's about good energy, whatever that means. Or it's about, you know, like these these other things. Um, Sounds like it's improving to the improving the self improvement, yeah, yeah self improvement yeah. kind of stuff, yeah. And and that's not what the problem with all of that is. It's not based in, in any kind of real reality of something significant that happened. We serve a Jesus who literally went to a cross, literally died and literally rose again in bodily form. This is a physical resurrection. It's not a nice idea. This happened. And so if it didn't happen, we got a problem, right? But it did happen. And we know that, or we can know that we could be, we could be uh, assured of that through all kinds of evidences. And I mentioned uh, Matthew 28 verse nine, uh, the disciples took hold of his feet after the resurrection. And, and I think that, that taking hold, that physical touch kind of, oh, he is risen. We're not, this is not an illusion. This is not, we're not seeing things. And some people go, well, that's the Bible. We're right. But with, even within the Bible, we have multiple attestations of, of encounters with the risen, physical risen, uh, Jesus Christ. We, you know, people just group all ball together. Like they're all the same, but they're not. Matthew wrote Matthew, right? Like his, his, his attestation, John wrote John, you know, and, and, and him and John wrote about Thomas who, who was, was there and he had access to, could get an eyewitness account who, who literally said, I want to put my fingers in his hand. Yeah. He didn't and believe so, it. He didn't believe it. He didn't believe it. We, and we have the disciples who, who had to take all the disciples had to take his feet, you know, or, or, uh, you know, before they believed, and we have we have Paul who who had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Uh, you know, we we have these multiple attestations, and not only not only do as as those who are the authors of of these gospels, they're separate people. We put them in the same cover of a book, but they're they're separate writings. And so, and so we need to remember that they're separate writings and they're historical. And, and Luke even says as he opens up. Luke, he says, I've written this to you, Theophilus, that you would have an accurate representation of what so he's happened. he's almost a historical he, he, yeah, historian. He, he's a historian. He, he approaches it in a very historical way. And Acts, he, he does the same thing in Acts. It, it's, it's a historical approach. This is what happened. Not to mention the creeds. We have the creeds, you know, with Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, who cites a creed that dates back to, uh, some people go all the way back to within six months of the of the resurrection itself, but certainly within the first, you know, two to four years of the resurrection, this creed came about in the church as a way of, of presenting the truths that are believed that makes a person a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And so... So you have these creeds that date very close to the resurrection itself, and you have all these different attestations. And then you have, you have the change of the disciples. Peter went from denying Jesus to, to becoming the rock upon which God would build his church, to, to becoming his, his – and dying on a cross upside down as, a, as, as a, other records um, talk about – and dying on a cross because of his belief. Well, if his belief was based on 
a rumor? Do you think he's going to die for it? Yeah. Does not make any sense? And so, and, and other disciples and followers of Jesus, same thing. They, they were, they were persecuted. They were beaten. They were thrown in prison. They were, they were killed. They were martyred because of their belief, because of what they witnessed. And so, and so you have, you have that kind of belief and that kind of belief is not a false belief. You know, generally speaking, I can't, you know, depending on what you're, you, you want, if you want me to hundred percent prove it, well, I can't, but, sure. we, but we make all ago. kinds of significant decisions without a hundred percent proof. Yeah. We look at the, the general evidence and go, wow, the evidence is really, really strong. So I believe we do that all the time and we should, and that's how we should operate. Well, the evidence for this is extremely extremely strong and uh and we should believe and then you know other people have questioned it they go well you know jesus didn't really die that that's one that you'll hear sometimes but the truth of the matter is if you if you talk about if you go look back and look at at, uh at new testament scholars a christian and non-christian they all believe you die Without a doubt, even Bart Ehrman, who, who New Testament scholar, atheist, uh, believes Jesus died on a cross. Everybody believes it, basically, except for except for Muslims, because because of the Quran, it says he just appeared to die. But but everybody else absolutely believes he died on a cross. There's mm-hmm. no question. As a matter of fact, John Dominic, Dominic Crossan, uh, who's uh, was part of the Jesus Seminary seminar back in the '80s and things like that, and very, very, very liberal scholar. And the Jesus Seminar went through the, the New Testament and and highlighted things in different colors, basically saying, "Well, this part probably happened. This part probably didn't happen." You know, and, and it was very subjective about how how they approached it. They didn't approach it in any particular scholarly the way. But John Dominic Cross, a part of that group, said there is there is no other event that it, that could, we could be more sure of in history. Than the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So he was absolutely 100% de- dead. Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, says more than 500 saw him alive at one time. And as a matter of fact, he goes further and says, not only that, but some of them are still alive. You can go ask them. You, you can go talk to them about their, about their encounter. Mm. So we have, we have huge significant evidence for sure in, in his death and then also in his resurrection. We can be sure it happened. And that's, and that's why it's so important for us to realize that our spiritual life is not based on a nice idea. It's based on something that historically actually happened. Mm. Now you mentioned in there that if if he did not yeah. rise, if he if he's if we found his body today, <sighs> we'd be in trouble, right? Would that make Christianity a lie? Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. It would. It, it's so funny. Uh, you know, people kind of they because they like some of the teachings of Jesus. People say they like te- the teachings of Jesus, but a lot of those people haven't really thoroughly looked at the teachings of Jesus, and so. Uh, so, so they, they kind of like, like to say they like the, that they would, they like the teachings. So they don't want to get rid of the teachings of Jesus. And so they'll say, well, you know, if he didn't really die on the cross, it's okay. We can still be Christians. No, we can not. There is no Christianity without the resurrection. No. Paul says that again, first Corinthians 15. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, if there's, if, if we found the body tomorrow, Christianity is done. Yep. It's, I would, I would not be a Christian anymore. Yeah. Cause there's no power. Well, yeah, death wasn't overcome. Yeah, sin wasn't overcome. Well, okay, what's the point? Then we need to figure out. We need to figure out a, a, another way. Yeah, there's and something there, else. There is no other way. You want nice teachings about something? Uh, Jesus is not your guy, by the way. But you, you read, you read. He really went after a lot of people uh, in some significant ways. So, anyways, so you, you know, you talk. We talked a lot of apologies. Apologetics today, some theology, yeah, just some other questions. But um, and you, you recommended uh, 
or do you have any recommendations for other resources? Like I know there's more than a carpenter maybe is a good one. Sure. Um, but you have any other? Yeah, I think, I think there's, there's several, it depends on your level of, of interest, uh, as far as how detail or how in depth you want to go. But, uh, Gary Habermas and Michael Lakota are two scholars of this area that focus on the resurrection a lot and on the life of Jesus. And they, they wrote a book called the case for the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, very, very good. Uh, you know, a little bit, a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit more in depth, the case for Easter, um, is really good. Lee Strobel. That's a really easy read. Uh, that that uh, we've given that that out in the past actually here at Grace, uh, but we did give it out this year. But the case for Easter is really good. It's a really easy read. And Lee Strobel was an atheist uh, reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and uh, and and became a Christian because of his research. He on, tried to on disprove. He tried to disprove it. Same actively. with um, same with McDowell, right? Did he try to? Yeah, Josh McDowell yeah. was an atheist as well. Uh, so two guys who tried two yeah. two academic guys tried to go out and disprove Christianity saw the saw the information right and decided no this is this, this is, real. is real yeah yeah and the case for the resurrection uh, also by Lee Strobel but it's more depth than the case for Easter so those are those are a few of those and then there's there's something called table talk there's some others I'll actually put uh, a link in the show description that uh, that that deals with uh, the. All, all these has a few other recommended resources and a video and a video with, with, uh, with, uh, uh, Daryl Bach, uh, who is a, another scholar. So a, a video at the bottom of that page too, that's worth, worth your time as well. Okay. It's about 45 minutes long, but. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and, and kind of wrap this up. John, we've been talking for a little while. Um, we gotta let people go and get on with their day. No, but, we don't. Uh, no, we don't. We want to keep they talking. Do, they want to listen to more. They want, they want hours, we hours of hours podcasting. Of stuff. Yeah. It'd be great. But let's go ahead and give them the big idea, John. What's the big takeaway this week? Yeah, I think I think the big takeaway is this: that uh, we are we are weak, we are sinners, we are ungodly, we are an enemy of God that needs to be rescued. So let's just let Jesus rescue us. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.